Hello, and welcome to episode 346 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Frank Martin, comics creator and writer of Our Hero Phenom, coming soon to Kickstarter. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Frank, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Uh, we did a little brief um, pre-show interview catch up, and we realized it's been maybe about four years since since we've been able to talk here. So it's great to have you oh, back. Yeah, I don't think you were in the 300s last time. Nah. That's kind of a crazy number. Yeah. Um, so it's it's been a while. So why don't we refresh anybody or the, that might not remember that podcast uh, so many years ago. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, about this book that we can see coming to Kickstarter in March of 2023. I'm, uh, my name is Frank Martin. I'm an author and comic creator. I kind of I'm all over the place in terms of genres. I kind of just go wherever my imagination takes me. I don't try to play in just one sandbox. Um, since uh, I've previously been on the show, I've launched I've started launching six Kickstarters a year. So if that was 2020 and 2024, maybe that's like, I don't know, 15, 16 Kickstarters since then. That's kind of crazy to think about. But this next one I have coming up is for my first superhero book called Our Hero Phenom. It's kind of a superhero deconstruction story that I kind of get to the heart of what it means to be a hero. That's very cool. Let's uh, let's kick it over to Noah. He can uh, ask you the first question in our interview. Sure. Yeah, I was just quite wondering um, what came first for this book, and I, I guess... I guess the big thing is how much can we spoil in the book too? I don't want to go too far. I guess that's, that's, that's my first question. How much? Can uh, spoil? I mean, I think you could talk about as much as you want. It's it's, I don't know how many twists and turns there are along the way, but it's so for this book, I, I had an artist that I was working with. We were going to collaborate on this project and I pitched him a bunch of ideas. He wanted to do superheroes. This was the idea he chose. And of course I don't, I don't pitch any ideas that I'm not, fully behind so uh, when he picked it I immediately just wanted to jump at the chance to tell a story about this it's about a a superhero a shape-shifting superhero who's the only superhero in the galaxy and what he does is he goes from planet to planet shifting into the native species and pretends to be one of them so he has a little he's he's altruistic he's saving people he's doing things but he's a little sneaky about it he doesn't reveal his true nature and i wanted to kind of pull that apart and do a deep dive onto what kind of psyche an individual like that would have and of course like so many comic projects the artist got two pages in and decided i don't really want to do this anymore so i had this fully completed script that i loved that i uh just decided to uh, grab a hold of and run with on my own and hire an artist to to complete it rather than have it be a straight up collaboration. And here we are. It's almost finished to plan on launching in March. So um, I'm excited to see what people think of this. That's really cool. That's awesome. Um, actually, Frank, you and I, we go back uh, a bit um, and we were in a writer's group where we shared uh, scripts with each other and and sent notes to each other was this one of the ones that you had in that in that group it might have been i don't really i can't remember what i did yesterday so <laughs> this ties me about last year and i i pump out so many scripts i really i don't know what i sent there actually okay. the original version of this story was drastically different i think i don't remember if it was from that writing writers group 
but I believe it was from the comics experience workshop okay. that I submitted it. I posted it. And so basically what happens is this hero, he goes around from planet to planet and he being the hero that he is, and he goes back to one of the planets that he's uh, he is in his repertoire and it's destroyed. Some sort of catastrophe happens. And that, but that wasn't the first draft of the script. The first draft of the script is he arrives on this planet and instead a dictator had taken over and he's like, how did this happen? How did this dictator take over? And, but it didn't, it didn't really give the, the population of that planet the desperation that they, that the reader needed to see them in. They were, this dictator took over and he, he more or less just was running the, the planet prosperously. So I completely shifted gears there. Uh, as Noah will tell you, it would have turned out completely different if that had happened. But it, it's strange sometimes when you have a core theme, a core idea of a story, and based on feedback, you can completely shift the plot around and change things around so much, yet it still adheres to that same core theme. That's cool. That's not- I like that themes came first, it sounds like, um, in this story. Yeah, this is definitely a heavily thematic book. I haven't done a superhero story yet, and I just didn't want to do one for the sake of doing one. You know, I didn't want to like create a hero and create a bad guy and have them fight each other. I wanted to I wanted to really do a deep dive on what it means to be a superhero, to be the only one in the galaxy flying from planet to planet, the isolation that's involved in that, kind of the hero complex that would go on in that person's mind. And those are the things that I wanted to experiment with and just kind of see where it took me and and hopefully superhero fans uh it will resonate with them were there any two like uh big two comic book series that you drew uh inspiration from i mean i think me just kind of leading in uh, reading into us a little bit i think maybe a little bit of you know superman and sort of that responsibility and how that would weigh on you um was that was that an influence here Superman, definitely. I mean, from on a surface level, you look at his powers. Um, he's got like Martian Manhunter powers. He definitely has a Superman complex. The way he fl- uh, flies around the galaxy, his sense of duty to it is definitely on par with Green Lantern. Um, but thematically speaking, you can look at stuff like Watchmen or V for Vendetta. Alan, uh, the stuff Alan Moore does when he really likes to dive into a hero and just pull them apart so you can see his insides and what it means to what to get into these people's heads and to see them as flawed individuals. That that That's where it inspired me from a, a thematic level. So this, there's definitely multiple levels here. That's, that's what I was picking up on too. It sort of felt like, it felt like early Alan Moore with, um, you know, and when he was writing Superman, like his his brief stint on Superman with like for the man who has everything and all that. Um, but also there's a bit of like Twilight Zone to it, I guess, too, in the concept of the story. And um are are you pretty are you pretty influenced by like um like high concept science fiction when it comes to writing stories like this? I mean, I think so. We were talking about uh, the last time I was on, we were talking about Macabre Motel, which is definitely a Twilight Zone inspired story. I didn't I didn't wasn't thinking of Twilight Zone when I wrote this, but obviously stories like that are an influence on me. (laughs) So I'm a little I didn't grow up in the Twilight Zone era. I've definitely seen some more some shows, some episodes like that. Uh, The Outer Limits, those kinds of weird sci fi. But I was a huge Are You Afraid of the Dark fan. 
And those those are definitely have high concept premises in a lot of their episodes. So, yeah, this was I, I guess you could call this a high concept superhero one shot where I had a an idea, uh, this premise of this hero that goes from planet to planet and shapeshifts. But that's just an idea. It's just a premise. It's not a plot. It's not an execution of the story. So I definitely had to I had to find a way to take that theme and string it into a narrative. Mm hmm. That's really cool. I like that. Um, I like obviously that there are like some cool themes going on. I like that it subverted my expectations within the first couple of pages, but also just the art style is really great too, because it's, it kind of catches you off guard because it's a very typical science, like it's a, a very typical Marvel, you know, drawing comics in the Marvel way style. Um, and then it, then, you know, then having the story that's sort of, subverts expectations along with it is a really cool mix yeah. um it's yeah. weird the, the story doesn't really kick off until i don't know page eight or nine the first couple pages is just kind of set up to get you in the the headspace of this character uh sets the stage for the story and, and like you said it starts off like a generic superhero kind of marvel story and it really, I wanted to lean into both the science fiction aspect of it, but also that classic superhero vibe, you know, somebody who's here to do good and he's going to try to do the most amount of good however he can. And I wanted to to use that as the platform then to jump off into this deconstruction of the, the hero motif. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Uh, were you like, because I know Matt and I talk a lot about like how people often decide how to to buy a comic at a comic shop by just like the first five pages and things like that. And um, were you thinking like, were you ever afraid that like maybe people would kind of get turned off by like a superhero book? Not that like I wasn't or anything like that, but I just saying like, were you ever worried that like, if you go too hard into the superhero and not enough into the sci-fi, you might lose people's interest and things like that. I'm just curious about like your creative process here. You know what? I get into trouble because I do not think about the reader often enough when I'm writing. I probably should think about them more. I'm more just thinking about the type of story that I want to tell. And mm -hmm. yeah, there's definitely a possibility that if someone picks this up and just reads two or three pages, they're going to be like, this is going nowhere. So they'll they'll definitely put it back. Um, I didn't craft the story with that initial hunch right at the get-go in mind. This is definitely more of a slow burn. It's definitely more of a psychological exercise. It has plenty of action and science fiction in it, but it definitely, it, it sets the stage in a slow burn tone that once you start it, I would recommend readers, like just be committed to it. It's a one shot, read it and and be done. But um, don't, don't just go in expecting that you're going to just be hooked right away. So yeah, I probably, probably, yeah, that's a big criticism I hear a lot is that, I had a tough, tough editor when I was first starting to to write comics. And he would, if I didn't hook him by like the third panel on the first page, he's like, I'm done with this. So I'm, oh, wow. like, it definitely, <laughs> it's on my mind. Like he'll, he'll put in his notes, he'll just write yawn, you know, like, <laughs> so it's, it's definitely something that I think about, but I, I like telling stories my way. And sometimes when you think about the reader too much, you're going to, turn it into something that you don't necessarily want it to be for the sake of whoever's reading it. And yeah, that's a sacrifice that sometimes I'm willing to make. So see how it goes. 
<laughs> That's a very good point, though, because I, I, I'm always curious as to how people, what, how much people are thinking about the, the reader and what they, or, or, or I mean, and by they, I mean the creator, how much the other creator is thinking about the reader, but also what they want to see out of a comic. So that that's always cool to hear what what where people are coming from in the terms of creation of who they're creating this for. Um, it's a balance, you know. You look at some creators and they're putting out books, and they don't really look passionate about the book. It just you can tell that they're just checking off boxes. You know, they're just they want to do these things because this is what they think the reader is going to want, and. Mm -hmm. I made the determination long ago that if I was cursed by the, the writing gods, that everything I ever created would just sit in an attic and nobody would ever read it. Would I still write the stories? And I, or I answered immediately. Yes. So I just decided, you know what, look, I have to take that mindset with a lot of my work. I can consider the reader here and there, but for the most part, I, I write these stories for me to, for stories that I want to tell. So I, I got to stay true to that. That's really cool. I like that that approach because um, that, I mean, otherwise, why are you doing it? You know, it's... <laughs> I mean, there, there's definitely ways to do it. There's uh, it's nice to see when you give the readers what they want and the masses flock to your book and you, you sell huge numbers. The money is definitely one reason to do it. But I don't know. It's it, storytelling is cathartic to me. And I if I'm not getting that the therapeutic exercise in, it's I just feel hollow. So. Yeah, but I also feel like people are attracted to a story that, that they can tell the creator is interested in themselves. And that, and I feel that's what the strength of this book is too, where you can feel the love behind it on every level um, in your writing and also in the art. I get a lot of, I do, it's tough sometimes when you jump around from genre to genre and from title to title to build that momentum and that fan base that people can, can people that people can follow. But I do have some readers and backers that follow me from campaign to campaign. And it, it means so much more when I'm doing all this different stuff. And people say, look, Frank, we like your stories. Keep doing it. Because they they say, look, when you write, when we read one of your stories, we can tell that you are really committed to it. And you're not doing this just to keep the series going. Because it's brand new every time. You're following your heart. And it does resonate with, with a few people. So although it might not have as much mass appeal as somebody that is on issue 20 of their, their indie series, I do feel the love from those backers that follow me wherever I'm going. That's so cool. And that, that's gotta be reassuring too, especially when, uh, when you are jumping around and doing sort of like genre based comics, because those uh, don't always like, you know, like everybody says that they're not always the most lucrative on Kickstarter or some or, or something like that, you know? They're not, but um, you know, I appreciate the honesty from a lot of my backers because they'll say, uh, they, they'll say, Frank, this one just doesn't look cool for me. I'll check it out in the next one, which means that they're not just mm -hmm. buying my books just to buy the books. The fact that some of them don't uh, appeal to them or, or tickle their fancy, it means that, look, it means the ones that do uh, look nice to them, they're going to jump at. So they're at least checking me out regardless of what I'm putting out and they might pass, they might not, but I, I don't hold it against them. And I'm just, I'm glad they're at least open to hearing the next project that I have. I, I think there could be a little bit of uh, the, you know, the other aspect of this, that somebody who might not necessarily be a superhero fan 
um, by knowing your other stuff and the, the twists and the turns and the different takes you um, take on things, that might actually be something to encourage them to, to come over and, and read a, a Frank Martin superhero comic. Do you, do you kind of hope that's the case? I do. I do. I'd like, like I said, when I, I'm not do, writing a superhero story just for resume value, just to check it off. You know, I did it because I had a story to tell uh, a psychological exercise, if you will, to, to dive into. I wanted, I wanted to do something new and different. I wanted to put my own spin on it, on my own take on it. And I think I accomplished that with this. I wasn't going to do it just for the sake of doing it just to, just to get on the hamster wheel of superhero books and and keep it going. I think that this is unique enough. It has enough to say that if you're a superhero fan or you're not, you'll you'll have thoughts. You know, when it's over, I want you to have your own thoughts. I don't push you mm -hmm. in one way or the other. I kind of just lay out the 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 argument for what this could possibly be. And I want to challenge people to think in new and interesting ways. And that was the point of the story to to really challenge people's opinions on superheroes and heroism and all that jazz. Very cool. You had mentioned earlier that uh, this was something that you had kind of started up with a, with another artist didn't work out. Um, what was your plan after that? Did you put a call out for, for an artist? Did you go work with somebody that you've worked with in the past and another project? How was it to, to put this team together? I, for this one, I picked up a an artist who I've worked with in the past who's done cover work for me. He's never done interiors, but I based on his work, I thought he would be good uh, doing superheroes. So he's the reason that I that's the reason that I tapped him and brought him onto the project. This is the first time I'm working with a different colorist. I've never worked with him before. But uh, as writers, um, we get and creators, we get tons of solicitations from people just like looking for work every once in a while I might see one and I might give them a shot. And th the main thing is reliability. You know, you need people that you could count on. So I, that's what I'm always wary with, but luckily this, this colorist that is the first time I'm working with him and he's been, he's been fairly reliable. He's been communicating, he's been delivering work on time. So, um, you know what, that's, that's really all that matters when you have strict deadlines and six, launches that you're doing a year make sure people turn in the work awesome and what about uh letters uh do you have a letter are you doing it yourself what's the what's the aspect there i letter 99 percent of my project this, at this point so okay. um in the beginning i was i was a newbie i was kind of unsure of myself the, the lettering that i did wasn't all that great i've since i felt like i've upped my lettering game i feel confident in it i can i can bust out pages fairly fairly quickly and it's, you know what, I, there's two things to it. There's the cost factor in it. I, I launched a lot of projects. If I had a letter on every single book, I probably wouldn't be able to afford them. But also I've grown to appreciate it so much being the one to put the finishing touches on the art. You know, I'm editing as I letter. I'm moving word balloons around, cutting dialogue so it fits in specific places. I like having that control. I don't want to be given lettering proofs and go back and forth with a lever. That's just going to frustrate them. I need, I'm like a little bit of a perfectionist. So to put it on myself, I feel is the best way to do it. Yeah, well, you, answered, you answered yeah. one of the questions I was going to ask if you use that as a chance to um, edit it because, you know, seeing words on a, on a, you know, a Word document, a Google Doc is one thing, but to then actually see the, you know, how the dialogue 
uh, the word balloon is, is going to fit with the, you know, the image that the art team has put together um, that sometimes changes things. So it sounds like you do use that chance to um, make a quick edit, maybe, you know, refine some things here and there. Totally. It's, it's a power that I don't think enough writers understand or appreciate. You know, not only am I cutting dialogue to fit in a word balloon, sometimes I add dialogue to fit in a word balloon because there's just the way the you try to format the word balloon, it just looks awkward. But if you add a word or two and it expands the letters, it takes up more of that empty space in the word balloon. It just looks better. And to be yeah. able to do that on the fly, it's pretty invaluable, you know? Did you take any any classes or did you just sort of uh, teach yourself um, just by, you know, being a comics reader, um, kind of knowing like how things should flow? Um, we often talk about how um, lettering is sort of the uh, the unsung hero of comics. It's almost like being a referee in a sports game. Like you don't notice them unless they, they mess up. So uh, how was your experience, uh, you know, educating yourself uh to, to be a, a letterer i do not recommend that anybody who wants to letter their own comics just get a lettering program and jump into it you really need a mentor a guru to teach you the ropes there's just the, so the casual comic reader i'm sure as you guys know have no idea what goes into actually lettering the book so now that i i letter myself and i know all the ins and outs and i read a book not only do i pick up stuff that are that is like taboo that's bad lettering i i really appreciate great lettering and i understand how hard it is so i took a comics experience lettering class dave sharp who's a lettering veteran was my uh lettering i uh i'm trying to think of a lettering sensei i'm trying to think of a good word for it and he yeah he told me a whole bunch of tips and tricks i'm pretty terrible when it comes to technical programs so he walked me through how to how to use adobe illustrator and i'm also terrible visual artist i'm terrible at design so for stuff like sound effects i'm horrible at i could probably put together a really bad logo i could do it but i outsource my logos because i understand how important that is but for the nuts and bolts of the word balloons and the tails and stuff like that i take a lot of care from what i learned in that class to making sure that all of the the lessons and the rules are followed and that it flows and that it doesn't look like a writer lettered his books to save money. That's my ultimate goal. I want it to be a part of the art. And, you know, I had a, um, a book, Grim Space, that was with Scout. And uh, when they accepted it, they asked, who did the lettering? And I said, I did. And they're like, uh, okay, we'll look at it and we'll see if how it is like they weren't quite sure that i did a decent enough job but they never brought it up again after that so i guess that that was okay that was a little bit of a uh a badge of honor for me that they just let it go awesome i uh, know i asked a lot of questions there so uh how about uh back to you i <laughs> uh, yeah just uh, i'm curious what is your uh what is the main takeaway from for you, like, what, what, I guess, what is your philosophy when it comes to lettering in, in a design way? What is a, are you a less is more kind of person? Are you a more is more kind of person? Or are you just like, you know, whatever, what the pacing and what the story needs? Like, what, what, uh, what, what's your approach? I think it depends on the story. So uh, as you see in this book, the, there's a lot of lettering choices, right? So he goes to visit all different aliens I wanted all the aliens to have different fonts, different designs. I think that really heightens the story. 
And so I also did a, a, a an all ages monster book. That was my last launch. I had all the monsters have different fonts because it's fun. It's playful. But then I have stories that are a lot more serious and I all the lettering is going to be clean. It's not going to try to stand out as much. It's just going to blend in. So it really depends on the tone of the story and what I'm going for and how fun I want to have with it. Um, it's very cool when you get to play around with different fonts and uh, different word balloon styles because you think the the story can can be uh, heightened by that variety of, of lettering. That's cool. Yeah, I love the the choices being made, especially when you get to the final planet in the preview, yeah. um, where the majority of it is. I was appreciating your your balloon design and your font choice there. Um, yeah, I mean, and how it, every yeah, go it, it goes to the back to the theme of the story in that all of these aliens are different. They're different worlds, different planets, different cultures, and he adapts to them. He he adapts their to their their looks, but not just their looks, the, their language, the way they're talking, and I think the the word balloons and the lettering and the fonts really leans into that more and gives that impression more than if it was just regular. Uh, fonts the, throughout the entire book. Yeah, I agree. It, it definitely adds to the world. So this book when, is is yeah, go ahead, sir. I'm sorry, no, were you were you done there? No, no, yeah, I'm done. Go ahead. Okay, so this book is uh, coming to Kickstarter. You mentioned how sort of prolific that you are with with a number of Kickstarters. Um, what's the plan here? If, by happenstance somebody this is the first time they come upon a frank uh martin book are they going to be able to to check out some of the the back catalog I'm, I'm assuming maybe that's something that uh might be there for backers yeah i uh i love the fact that kickstarter has add-ons now they didn't when i first started that's been a, a blessing that's allowed me to all these books that I put out to just throw on there. Some people say, Frank, how come you don't put every single book that you have on as an add on? I'm like, because I want to pick and choose. I don't want to offer it all. You know, I like <laughs> I like mixing matching. So I try to go theme thematically. So this is a superhero sci fi book. I try to do other superhero sci fi things as add ons. Um, my last book, Where the Nightmares Are, which I just mentioned, was a all ages horror book. I always try to do my past campaign on as an add-on too, just in case somebody missed the past one. So that will be on there. Uh, it's not going to be every single one of my my past releases, but but yeah, there definitely will be a, a whole host of add-ons that will be available if somebody wants to grab something extra. And I'm assuming both uh, digital and print on on that. Uh no. For for add-ons, I just do print. And I do that okay. because I need more space in my house and I have to get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know what? Uh, I just revamped my website and I, I put a whole bunch of digital copies on there. So I, I try to be as accommodating to, to readers and backers as possible. So if somebody sees an add-on that they want, but they don't want to fold over the extra money to get in print and they message me and they'll say, hey, do you have this in digital? And I'll point into my website where I just added a whole bunch of digital titles or I'll put it on there if it's not already on there for them. Very cool. Um, I guess maybe my, my next question would be Kickstarter related. Um, and, you know, you're a veteran of this. You, you go to Kickstarter uh, a number of times. Um, and this is something we ask people who are in doing a Kickstarter but uh, you know, we'll, we'll just get your, your experience. Are you uh, are you sort of uh, set it um, 
check in every once in a while or where where you're at or are you manically uh refreshing the the kickstarter page every every 30 seconds to see what's going on i try not to to check it it's hard not to especially when you need to be on there to like do things it's it's sometimes if i need the link i'll load it up on my url and then i just won't look at it i'll just grab it really quickly and exit out because i don't want to look at it it becomes uh it becomes a little bit of a drug and you get disappointed sometimes when you check it and you don't see any new backers there for for a day or or what have you so i i think it's it's unhealthy to check it all the time, but it's it's unavoidable. You still you still need to check it, check the status of it, update it. If something's not working, you need to make adjustments. So it's it definitely has to be a balance. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm assuming you you go through all the other sort of ways to promote uh, social media. I know that you have a, a newsletter that that comes out uh, pretty regularly. Um, so is that the plan to, to hit up social media, hit the newsletter, pass backers and all that kind of good stuff? This year is going to be a bit of an experiment for me because I've hated social media for years. I always thought it was a necessary evil because, like you said, it's a great way to promote. But I wasn't quite sure. Uh, like, I felt like I was putting a lot into it and I wasn't getting as much out of it as I used to. And I think a lot of people feel that way, but they don't want to get off of it because they're afraid. I was afraid, but I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be able to make a judgment call unless I have actual data if social media is good or not. So for 2024, I decided to step back from Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I still go on every once in a while uh, to to use Messenger or to I may uh, try to contact somebody or make make a brief post. But for the most part. I'm making a, a concerted effort to just stay away from those platforms and do other avenues to try to promote and lean into other things. And we'll see how 2024 goes at the end of the year. I really want to look back at these past six campaigns and see if my lack of social media marketing made a difference one way or another, because it's just, I think it's too detrimental. I get, it's too much of a time suck it's too much of a mental drain. I just, I don't think it's as worth it as it used to be. Cool. Well, we'll have to, we'll have to check back in with you later. Uh, maybe sort of have like a state of Frank Martin books and see how, how this worked out for you. But I'm assuming the the newsletter is something that uh, you're really uh, hoping that the, because again, sort of the, the power of a newsletter is, is that like you're in some, somebody's, signed up to, to, to receive this uh, via an email um, and it's going to be in their inbox. It's not like it's a, it's a tweet that's up there for a couple of seconds and somebody scrolls past it or, you know, they're not on this social media platform at that certain time. They might not see it, but the, the power of the, the newsletter, is that something you're still going to hold on to? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I've doubled down on it. I've, uh, I've been pushing to, to build it up more which is one of the plans that I've had now that I'm stepping back from social media. I've been revamping my website a little bit, uh, trying to deliver consistent weekly content that even though I'm not logging on to social media, I still try to have it go out. So I, I'm trying to do things that allow me to have a social media presence without being on social media. So for instance, I'm trying to do a whole bunch of podcasts with fine fellows like yourself. I started my own live streaming show. I try to do midday weekly, just hang out live streams and just, chat about stuff. I'm, I've boosted my Patreon a little bit. So I'm trying to curate all my weekly content on there. I'm trying to do all these different things to make myself active 
engaged and have a presence without the the time suck or the the energy drain that social media requires. That's a, that's a, that's a, uh, I was going to say. <laughs> that's a handful. A, no, it's, it's a bit of a, as somebody who I, I, I spend too much time on social media, it's, uh, you know, just sort of thinking what you're saying there. It's a, it's a very sort of commendable thing that you're doing. Um, you know, do, you know, I, I'm guilty of sitting on my phone and, and doom scrolling for, for hours and hours and hours. I'll give so, you one uh, very I, simple example for, for years. I've wanted to do something where I, I would put a postcard or a thank you note, something into the the rewards that I send out to backwards with like a QR code that says, check out my next campaign and stuff like that. For years, I wanted to put it together. And I'm like, I didn't have the time. I was just too busy. I was doing this and doing that. And finally, now that I'm on social media, it's it's freed up a lot of time. And I'm like, I could finally do this thing. And I put it together and it looks really cool. And I can't wait to fulfill my my previous campaign once the books get here and 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 send it out. So it's it's like little things like that, stuff that I've been putting off for so long. I feel I free up these moments to finally tackle them and just try a different approach. That's really cool. And yeah. it's also like the dream. So uh yeah, I, I really hope that, yeah, and at the end of the year, we get to come back and you're like, yeah, still quit social media and it's been better than ever. <laughs> I feel better. You know, I, yeah. I really do. I feel like I'm doing more. I feel like everybody's on social media and everybody's doing the same thing. So if I try to take a different approach and lean into different things that other people aren't doing as much, I just feel like I'm standing out, like I'm not getting sucked into the black hole with everybody else, you know? No, no, no offense to Matthew and his, uh, and his social media addiction. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so I guess one of the things we'll do as we close up, we, we might not ask you for your social media, but uh, what is your what is your website? Um, as somebody who has a very common name, uh, what's what's your URL? So I'm frankthewriter.com. It's every, pretty much everything you want to know about me is on there. Uh, if you want to follow me on social, I still, I still share stuff from time to time. I post... The great thing about stuff like Patreon is I throw all of my short stories and, and weekly webcomic on there. And you could share onto Facebook and Twitter from there. So it's like I'm sharing on I'm sharing onto these social media sites from a third party platform, which is yeah, it's just cool. So you get the benefit of it without the actual touching touching down on it. So I'm at Frank the Writer on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook if you want to follow me and, and see <laughs> the limited appearances I might make. Nice. So um, what's the exact launch date of, of this book? March 5th, I believe. If that's a Tuesday, I think that's what it is. And uh, what is your, uh, are you doing a 21-day campaign, a 30-day campaign? What's the, what's the I life do 18-day campaign? campaigns. 18-day. So is that just to keep the, is that just to keep the sort of the, the dreaded dead zone in the middle uh, shortened down? So you're not driving yourself mentally you know. Yes. And also I want to launch as many campaigns in a year as possible. And I don't okay. like overlapping. So I like to have a campaign, get it done, fulfill it on to the next. So that helps if I'm not running a long winded campaign that takes up a lot of time. Oh, okay, cool. And tell us, you know, we talked a little bit about the book. Um, it's certainly got a lot of twists and turns. So without, you know, any sort of 
plot twist reveals or, you know, going into too much detail. Um, talk a little bit more about this this book. So um, as I spoke about before, Our Hero Phenom is about a superhero who tries to do the most amount of good by flying from planet to planet. He pretends to be part of the native population and that all become his plan or his his life's mission gets uprooted when he goes to one of the planets he's supposed to be protecting and it's destroyed. And he encounters somebody who believes it's kind of his fault. And this is an argument that's made a lot of times Lex Luthor makes to Superman that he's making humans weaker by protecting them. You know, they're always counting on Superman to save the day and humans need to get strong by relying on themselves. And this yeah. is the argument that this individual makes against Phenom. He said, you've been our hero for so long. You left us and look what happened. We should have been prepared by this, but you made us complacent and we weren't prepared. So that's the that's the situation that Phenom has to grapple with. And uh, it's it's going to be tough for him to try to come to that realization. Sounds great. So we're going to link your website and the Kickstarter link, pre-launch link that will then turn into the, the, the link for the Kickstarter in the show notes of this episode. Um, I'm assuming if you go to your website, there's also a spot there to, to sign up for your, for your newsletter. Yes. Yes. I have a, a landing page that will pop up when you go to the website. There's also a, a header that says mailing list. And I have a, a free short story that you can only get by signing up on my mailing list, a, a sci-fi tale. So, yeah, it's a, I have a free comics on there, free prose stories, too, if you don't want to give me any money, but you still want to check out what I'm all about. So uh, I try to make it a, a a place to really grab all that I'm, uh, that I'm about. Very cool. Well, I'm excited for this book. Um, as Noah said, we got a we got a brief preview, but we're going to have to check it out so we know how it how it ends. So we're, we're really excited for it. I'll leave you um, in suspense. I, <laughs> I know that we uh, I know in the middle or towards the tail end there, we, we talked uh, we talked about social media. But this podcast is on social media. Um, we are on Twitter slash X at Construct Compod. Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod and Facebook is Constructing Comics. I just want to thank everybody for listening. Please be safe, be nice to each other, and go out there and make some comics. Thank you.